Hey listeners, it's Keith from Evertrue. Evertrue is the end-to-end solution for insight, outreach, and analytics for higher ed advancement and stewardship teams around the world. Recently, we launched Evertrue Studios, Advancement's very first media hub, where subscribers have access to over 100 hours of free, on-demand original series and podcasts, all created with fundraisers in mind. Check us out at evertrue.com backslash studios. Hey listeners, I'm Kim Nayoni, and this is Mentorship Matters, a podcast that examines the current and future landscape of fundraising leaders and the power of inclusive mentorship in advancement. Today, I'm honored to have on the show, Lichelle Blakemore, colleague of mine, Associate Vice Chancellor in Development at the University of California, Berkeley. Welcome, Lichelle. Thank you, Kim. Thank you for having me and for lifting up this really important topic. Absolutely. Glad to have you here. And uh, so for this podcast today, I wanted to talk to you about creating an environment where people thrive. You know, full disclosure here, I I met you early in my career when I began my career as uh, Assistant Director of Corporate Foundation Relations at the High School of Business. Uh, And uh, you'd been working uh, in the annual giving space, I believe, Mm -hmm. uh, at, at Berkeley. And one of the things that over the years I've observed is how you all have done a great job of creating an environment where most of our colleagues there have options to go elsewhere, but they choose to stay there. Mm-hmm. And they would rather grow there than grow elsewhere. And as you know, recruitment and retention of advancement professionals, especially those from diverse backgrounds, has increasingly become a major sustainability challenge for advancement especially in higher education. There's a lot of opportunities for people and, you know, people don't feel valued, you know, you name a, you name a reason they choose to go elsewhere because for some reason they just can't see a path forward. Now, as a leader in this field, you have spent over two decades at Berkeley. You have been able to realize your career growth at one institution without having to transition. Many of us try to do that, but, didn't really work out. And so we've had to go to other places. So share with us, how has Berkeley Advancement created an environment that allows professionals to grow and thrive? Um, Thank you for that question. I want to start by thanking my mentors, my colleagues, my team um, for really supporting me and making it possible to have a wonderful and deeply, deeply meaningful career at Berkeley. And I think that that's what it really boils down to is the the people um, and the community. And it's a huge part of why I've been able to stay at Berkeley for nearly 30 years. Um, let, me, let me start with some basics. Um, I think you have to look bottom line at compensation and pay equity. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to make sure that our talented colleagues are paid what they are worth and that we value them. Um, And so that is a, it it seems like a really, you know, obvious um, strategy, but um, it, we really took the time to review the salary structures and the compensation. And I also think a lot of it is about building a healthy culture. Uh, You hear a lot these days about psychological safety. and really taking the time to unpack what does that mean? 
Um, we've done surveys with staff. We've done focus groups to try to understand what are uh, ways that we can make the culture a healthier place, a positive and fun place for people to work, um, and a place where they feel like they can be who they truly are, to bring their authentic self uh, to work every day and not feel that they have to um, fit you know, a particular type, um, but that their own perspectives and their own interests and their own backgrounds really um, add add a lot of value to the organization. Um, and so it's it's really, again, it's about creating a culture of belonging. Um, and then <clears throat> we wanna prepare staff to be successful. So we have invested in training. We have a whole curriculum around frontline fundraiser training. Um, we encourage people to participate in those uh, opportunities as well as looking at um, uh, other professional organizations in the field. Um, I, I'm a big believer and when you invited me to participate in this program, um, I immediately said yes because mentorship is a lot. Uh, it means a lot. And so it's not just about hiring talented people, but it's about mentoring them and keeping them engaged and coaching them um, and making sure that they have the resources they need to be successful and thriving. Um, so we really encourage um, people, we try to, um, as much as we can, uh, find a buddy or a mentor for somebody when they're coming on board, somebody that they can check in with in addition, obviously, to their manager. But we've also... Um, you know, Kim, you and I were part of a Black Leaders in Philanthropy co cohort mentorship program. And I, I actually really like this idea of cohort mentoring because it, it does a few things that it, it provides uh, an opportunity for people who've had, you know, long careers in advancement to share their knowledge with uh, people who are coming up in their careers or, or new to this profession we learn from each other, right? I mean, I learned a lot from you, Kim, over the years and through that program um, and the other mentors, um, but it also helps to build the community. And I think, again, that's part of why I've been able to have my entire career in advancement. Um, and we know and data shows that when people feel that they have friendships at work and a community at, the pla at their place of work, they're more likely to stay longer and to be happy. Um, we're lucky at Berkeley that we have what's called the Berkeley Advancement Community. And um, this is a, a, an organization that is for anyone who works in advancement, all roles, all functions um, can participate in ongoing conversations um, throughout the year. And um, this is a wonderful way to, you know, be a member of the community. Uh, we also have had communities of practice um, that have really come organically over the past few years. There's a group of um, Black advancement professionals that call, or call, call, we call ourselves Blacks in advancement. There's an AAPI group that is formed. There's a BIPOC group that is formed. There's a group for young young professionals that is formed, um, a group of Jewish professionals, 
And I think those are, again, just examples of uh, ways of building community. We've mm-hmm. also engaged our staff in planning and providing input into programs and policies that impact their work and help to create a sense of buy-in. And I think when there's a sense of ownership and buy-in, staff are likely to stay with their institutions and with their organizations because they've got skin in the game, right? They Mm -hmm. care about the the program and the future. And then the last thing I'll say is, in terms of you know creating an environment for people to grow and thrive, uh, is looking you know being really intentional and thoughtful about promotional opportunities within the organization, and it doesn't necessarily mean moving from you know this role to that role. It means looking within the role you're currently in at what are other opportunities that you can that you can gain. Um, to further your skills and your competencies, whether that's sitting on a task force, attending a you know a course, um, looking for you know taking on additional kind of work, job shadowing, what have you. But we really need to be looking at opportunities to promote from within. You know, uh, a couple of points here. Uh, just to go back a little bit, you mentioned AAPI and BIPOC. So some of our listeners uh, are not from the United States. And so perhaps you can uh, explain yes. what those two terms mean. Uh, Thank you uh, for that. Be helpful. Thank you for that. Um, so um, the term uh, BIPOC refers to Black, Indigenous, people of color. Um, and that is a, a, a term that um, has been around for a while now. And um, the AAPI status is Asian American Pacific Islander. Excellent. And so going back to your last uh, response here regarding promotional opportunities, you know, in our field, it's commonly believed that in order to move up, you have to manage people because traditionally that's what they tell you. But we also know that not every fundraiser should be a manager. And sometimes not somebody who is a manager may not be the best fundraiser there, but they are the best operational person to have. Mm-hmm. And so I can recall in my own experience and others that I've talked to where somebody's working at institution A, they're an associate director, they're really passionate about building individual relationships, they want to be a major gift officer, but they're told, well, you are an associate director, so you should stay within your realm, you know, keep on doing those $10,000 gifts and those kind of things, and it will happen for you. And then they get frustrated to leave. And then there's the other school, which I think you're alluding to, where you look at somebody, you look at their competence and what their passion is, what they're trying to do. And while you can't promote them to, let's say, the director, you have the bandwidth to say, okay, you want to lead a team one day, I'm going to put you in the HR task force. You can learn what, you know, what that looks like. I'm going to have you, you know, have a small portfolio of individual major donors that you can work with. And I'll coach you through that. So there are things that you can do to add to their toolkit at all levels. Even as a senior director, when I knew I wanted to be uh, a vice president at some point and lead a program, I asked somebody, I said, what do I need to do mm-hmm. to add? They say, well, you can raise money. You've proven that. 
but you need to uh you know sort of uh shore up your uh your management acumen and how you work with people you manage people you coach people things like that so mm-hmm. i knew i had to invest time in that and they uh my my leader at the time invested in me and putting through trainings and things like that to ensure that i was ready and then they had a one position then they had a two then more so it's you know i think it's it's critical and i'm and i'm glad that you all are doing that it's it is critical to provide those opportunities for folks if you want to have see them succeed and it's actually in the long run it's the best business strategy the longer somebody has been at a place the more uh you know the better the ROI for the for the institution and and, right. and yeah and 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 also i like this idea of having these affinity groups i don't think i've heard anybody in our field have those within their uh, their program and the other one that i like to mention for our audience is uh you know, a few years ago, I was surprised I got an e- I got an email on LinkedIn from an account called uh, UC Berkeley Staff Alumni. I was like, I was like, what is this thing? Mm. I looked up and there was somebody from uh, the talent management office, executive search office. I set up this group uh, for anybody who had worked, uh, you know, in in uh, you know at Berkeley at one point or another and you have to give your former email address and all, all the information and they'll verify that you work there and then you're included in that and mm-hmm. i'm in florida at the time and i get an email uh invite for a staff alumni gathering somewhere in south florida and i was a little too, a little bit too too long of a drive for me but the point there is that what a great tool to keep uh connection with your previous uh uh, mm-hmm. employees in the event that they may want to come back because we know people do. And yeah. so all in all, I mean, all I'm saying is it's great to see those kind of things happening. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. So um, what are the key elements that are necessary to create an environment where fundraisers can thrive and want to remain? You talked about a good deal of them uh, in, in your last response, but any, uh, you know, anything else that you would like to add to uh, to that? Yeah, I, I will just expand a little bit on um, kind of three, three areas that I think are important. The first is just support and resources. Um, so good onboarding of new colleagues, good training, um, ongoing learning and mentoring, um, mentoring of different types. Um, and, and actually asking people to serve as mentors is a huge honor. Um, somebody may be a really good, you know, annual giving officer, and they may not think of themselves as a mentor, um, but they they have just as much to offer as any other fundraiser. So, and it's a great opportunity to get that experience, uh, you know, sharing your knowledge and your perspective. Um, and then also support for for fundraisers specifically uh, around setting goals and metrics, um, having staff provide input into those metrics, and really, um, you know, once they they are they hit their stride, um, encouraging them to think about stretch goals. So always uh, stretching further. So um, I, I would say the next um, category around you know being, you know, thriving at an organization is uh, around professional development, which I touched on earlier. Um, I think it's really important for 
um, an employee and her supervisor to partner together on a career plan. Um, the employee needs to drive it. And like you said, you you told your boss, how can I become a VP someday? Um, yeah. but you you initiated that discussion and that gave your your boss the opportunity to help think about where are the gaps and where do you need to fill in and how can we work together to get you that experience? Um, I also think it's really important to help our colleagues um, develop their own professional network. Um, and that is really key to, uh, I think, learning from other colleagues at other organizations or even from within your organization for just having that sounding board, but also that support system. Um, and then the last thing I think uh, is really important is recognition of good work by managers and leaders. And I think so many people do not feel appreciated or it goes overlooked, or it just is sort of assumed that you'll do a good job. But it's it's really hard. These jobs can be really challenging. Very challenging. Uh, and I think it's so important to make people feel appreciated. It doesn't take that much. It's a quick email. It's sending somebody, you know, flowers after they've uh, you know, done something really meaningful or significant or hit a growth. Uh, you know, a, a lesson in their own career, um, but making people feeling appreciated just by saying thank you, um, by making a note, you know, in sending them a card, telling your boss that you're somebody on your team just did something really great. It can go a long way. And then being available. Um, we've got to be available for our teams um, to help encourage them to listen to them, to, um, you know, in, invite their uh, their ideas and their um, contributions. So I think it's really important to be available. Absolutely. A simple thank you goes a long way. Simple uh, act of recognition goes a long way in creating that kind of environment. I mean, uh, you know, in, in my previous job, uh, you know, when I was in Florida, I remember uh, sending a simple handwritten note to one of the, uh, you know, junior development officers because I caught wind uh, that uh, they had just closed uh, a gift, a uh, their first twenty five thousand dollars, and uh, they they worked the process from beginning to the end. And when I went to visit their office one time, my little coaster with you know with a little thank you note was hanging right on the board mm -hmm. you know, by yeah. their desk, and they're very grateful that somebody mm -hmm. would you know would would recognize their work because. Oftentimes, especially early in your career, you think, well, I just raised $25,000. What is that? They're raising hundreds of millions. Oh, well, I'm just doing this little event with, you know, 20 people for the dean. It's really not inconsequential. Or I'm just processing checks back here. It's inconsequential. It's like, no, it's not. <laughs> because yeah, it if that gift is not getting processed right, we're going to hear about it. If uh, right. that event goes south, it's going to impact the organization. And so just that simple act of recognition, uh, you know, it's going to make somebody's day and make them realize or feel that they're part of a, of an inclusive environment, you know? Yes. Absolutely. So how long did it take for the advancement program at Berkeley to realize success uh, after putting all these things in place, you know, because, 
you know, f- folks listening will say, well, okay, so I invest all this money to have these programs. I have affinity groups. I do this, I do that and so forth. So when can I see the return? Cause you know, we always think return. And sometimes that return may not be immediate. It's a labor of love. It takes time to build culture. So perhaps you can shed a little bit of light on that. Yes, I'm happy to. Let me maybe I'll start first by talking about the the kind of steps that we've taken. Um, and this is an ongoing journey. This is not an end goal. This is not a checklist. Um, and I I make that point because I feel like um, that there is sometimes an impression that if I do these ten things, um, I will have created a really great uh, you know, retention strategy or, or a really great culture, but it's ongoing as we're never, we're never, you know, at the end of the road. Um, so we invested in an in-house fundraiser training program that I mentioned earlier, that was mm-hmm. really Im- important to make sure that our staff had the same tools, the same vocabulary, the same resources, um, and a, a toolkit, a robust toolkit that would allow them to really be successful in their jobs. Um, we have a formal staff mentoring program at UC Berkeley um, through our staff assembly, and that has been a huge uh, way of uh, retaining staff. Uh, we also created a staff fellows program on our major gift team where we invite applications from across the campus of people who are just interested in knowing more about what, what is it like to be a frontline fundraiser? I think I might, I might want to go in that direction someday. And so we have uh, opportunities for people to work just for a few hours a week um, doing uh, the kind of work that a major gift officer would do and under the mentorship of one of the, of the gift officers Um we really promote professional development um, organizations in our in our to our teams, um, but it requires commitment from leadership. Right, and the leaders have to be um, really advocate for their teams to to grow. Um, I think right now, Kim, we have the most diverse team I've seen at Berkeley in thirty years. And um, it it's it takes you know all of these strategies and and more. It's not so much about attracting a diverse talent pool, but what are you going to do to keep people in the organization thriving, growing, um, and and feeling um, rewarded and and appreciated for the work that they're doing? So it it really does require that uh, commitment. Um, but I think it it's so important to create that sense of belonging and, and community as well. Yeah, and oftentimes I talk to friends who and colleagues who are working in environments that are not very diverse in certain in states that have very low, very low percentages of uh, people of color. And we talk about, uh, you know, recruiting a diverse workforce and say, man, you know, who's going to want to come here? I mean, they're going to be the only person of color in the division or you name it. And so, you know, it's not so much about having the numbers. Okay. It's about the environment because I've worked in organizations where 
We had 30 African-Americans, a few, uh, you know, folks from, uh, you know, Hispanic backgrounds, Asian, you name it. But nobody stayed because when you got to that organization, now that you're here, you can't be authentic. You can't be who you are. You like, okay, you're here. This is how we do things. This is our culture. But then that culture is not inclusive because outside of you functioning in your job, what happens outside of that? Mm-hmm. What happens within that community you're a part of? And I remember back in the days when I was working at the high school, uh, it, it was more like a big family than anything else. I mean, we truly, you felt that people were looking out for you, even though as a junior team member, the senior most staff, uh, you know, treated me the same. And uh, we all came from diverse backgrounds, but we all cared about what we were doing and would support one another. And that made a difference. And so I've been at institutions where I was one of two. Heck, I've been to places where I was just the only one in the division of 100. But the reason why I felt comfortable being there is because they made me feel at home and cared about me more than just the guy who's raising money, but mm-hmm. they realized that I'm making a huge leap here. I'm in a place where culturally, uh, you know, this is not something common to me. So they made it as comfortable as possible for me to be able to feel part of the bigger picture. And I think that matters more than anything else. So you can say you're doubling down and recruiting all these people of color and have that diverse workforce, but unless you work on the retention strategy and actually be intentional about it and not try to make folks feel like they need to surrender who they are and the culture that's part of them, then you are going to be doing a great job of training those folks to go and help other institutions succeed, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say it takes years. It's, it's not a matter of weeks or months. So you, you have to be in it for, you know, the long, the long term. And so when we talk about these 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 type of initiatives, um, are you all doing the same for uh, advancement services side of the shop? Because I think, you know, in many instances, when I've heard executives talk about we're investing in recruitment intention of professionals in advancement, they're talking about gift officers, uh, you know, and gift officers and gift officers. Uh, I don't hear much com- much about you know, your, your prospect management, your gift processing, your financials folks, uh, you know, that side of the shop, which is equally as important as what we do on the other side. Yeah. It's across the board. It needs to be a comprehensive approach. And a lot of the programs that I mentioned are offered by the university. So they're, you know, offered to all staff, but um, our advancement services or sorry, advancement operations, um, colleagues are, are, you know, leaders in their particular dis- disciplines um, as well. So this, the, the mentoring, the professional development, it needs to be across the board. Absolutely. So challenges, uh, I mean, this, this, uh, th- you know, this type of initiatives take years to materialize. Mm-hmm. And here you have uh, vice chancellors, vice presidents say, Hey, I want to see return right now because we got to move. We got to move. We got to move. We got to raise money. <laughs> but uh, so, some of the challenges that you all faced in uh, in developing this and uh, building uh, the, these programs and putting them in place, uh, what, what were those? Uh, well, 
I mentioned, you know, looking at compensation is really mm-hmm. important and, and we need the resources to be able to, you know, offer competitive salaries to attract and retain and promote people. Um, so that is a challenge that we faced. Um, we did have some internal HR hurdles um, to work through. Um, we also, some of our teams have been um, using a, a, a process to look at their bench strength uh, within the team. And it's it's looking at who are the, the high performers and the people that you really want to um, retain and how can we develop plans to sort of keep them challenged and, and um, thinking about long-term commitment to the organization. Um, if it's not a priority, if, if building retention is not a priority from the top, um, that's a big challenge as well. Um, it's not a challenge that we faced, but I know that, um, you know, there are studies around what is the ROI for every time you hire and train and lose somebody. Um, and so for us, um, retention requires really commitment from, from the top. And I think if you don't have that, that could be a huge challenge. Um, got it. And so as you think about going back to you uh, as an individual and a leader, uh, what, aside from the things that that you mentioned earlier, uh, what has kept you there in addition to all the factors you talked about? What keeps you there and excited every day to wake up and do the work that we do? What is that? Well, for me, it's belief in the mission of the university and our commitment to educating a diverse and outstanding student body. Um, that is that is what draws me to this place and keeps me feeling inspired. Um, it's my alma mater, and I love doing what I can to support the students, the faculty, our programs. Um, The people here are smart, they're thoughtful, they're creative, they're innovative, and they're really committed to wanting to make a difference. And I am drawn to um, those kind of people. Um, I feel a sense of community and belonging. And, um, you know, during the early days of the pandemic, when we were all on lockdown and wearing (laughs) our masks and gloves and you know, barely leaving, leaving uh, the house, I found myself going to the campus for walks. Um, and I, I just really do believe it's just a, a wonderful community. Um, I've enjoyed being able to build new programs at Berkeley during my career. Um, and that's kept it interesting and also challenging and, and fun to see, you know, new programs, um, that are, that are you know contributing to where those teams are contributing in new ways, um, and I've I've been given the opportunity to take on new challenges and new opportunities, and so that's uh, those are some of the reasons why I've uh, been able to have such a meaningful career at Berkeley. And I hope uh, audience, especially those of you in uh, leadership positions, uh, are listening to this. You know, if you offer folks opportunity to grow within your organization. 
you make the work challenging and exciting and you truly allow that entrepreneurship entrepreneurship uh, spirit to take a hold in your organization uh you know you are going to have people who are going to be loyal to you because people believe you know if i believe in the mission but then i'm also getting the fulfillment of the work that's what it's about and it's the best thing you can do for your organization if you want to be successful in supporting the mission of your institution instead of constantly churning and you know having to recruit people it takes time resources you got to retrain and reinvest you know imagine if you could create an environment where you can have 10 20 Lachelle Blakemores walking around that are proudly mentoring the next generation of uh, professionals that you're bringing in mm-hmm. it'll be a whole different place and uh I really do think that uh you know that's that 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 that's our way to to the future of ensuring that we have a sustainable uh, field, and the the other thing that 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 comes to mind is the idea of building your own uh, pipeline of talent, so to speak. You know, uh, in a couple of podcasts, I've had conversations with people about how do you build that pipeline for talent, knowing that it's a challenge to recruit people. You know, what kind of programs do you have to get your undergraduate students? as interns to encourage them to consider advancement as a field and to work within your organization, knowing that at some point they may leave, which is okay. And, you know, you're paying it forward to the field. And typically somebody who's worked at Berkeley, went to school at Berkeley, if they have an opportunity later on, they'll probably come back. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we I call say- that the, bo- the boomerang effect. Exactly. <laughs> and I can and there are many campuses that can say the same thing too because you have that yeah. personal connection. You know what I mean? You you remember when you had your last top dog, you went to Bongo Burger, you know, <laughs> you you know, you uh you know you 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 lifted the cannon uh up to this football stadium. There are those things <laughs> that you experience there that connect you to something. And when the time comes, you do that. So I encourage people to really think about this mm-hmm. as you're looking at your long-term retention strategy, long-term recruitment strategy. Think about this conversation that we just had uh, with Michelle and, and the point is that she uh, that she's made as to why she's built such a successful career and a long-term career with her organization and the kind of programs and intentionality behind what uh, Berkeley Advancement has done to create this environment. So as we wind down here, a couple of things. One, uh, two t- two key takeaways uh, to our audience that you like them to uh, you know to keep to keep in mind as they think about and reflect on, on our conversation. Um, hire really talented, diverse people who have a record of success. The background and the experience are important, um, but skills can be transferable. So I think we we do ourselves. Um, a a good service to look really broadly for talent in different sectors, different types of uh, people with different types of backgrounds, hire people who enjoy collaborating um, because advancement work is, it requires, you know, teams to come together. And we, uh, we have a, a saying from my, my boss, Julie Hooper, that fundraising is a team sport. And I would say, you know, advancement is a team sport. 
We, and, and in bringing people on board, we need to give them the tools and resources to be successful. And then the second thing I would say, um, that probably was more than one, one takeaway. Bring it on, bring it on. I would say is uh, really engage your team in the bigger picture and find ways for them to create buy-in on your mission and goals. Um, I think if people feel a sense of ownership and buy-in and excitement about the work, they are going to be happier. They're going to offer their best to the organization. They're going to have a, a higher level of commitment and investment. Um, so finding ways to engage your team. That is excellent. So last thing, last to last, as we're closing out, I always want to offer my guest an opportunity to give a shout out to one of their mentors or more. And so perhaps you can share with us, who is your mentor and how have they impacted you? Well, I have had many mentors um, in my career, um, mentors of former and current supervisors, mentors like you, Kim, and colleagues from throughout um, higher education, um, mentors who took a chance in hiring me <laughs> uh, to take on different roles or promoting me. Um, but the mentor who has meant the most to me in my life is my mother, um, my mom, Donna Blakemore. And she is... Um, just always an incredible um, support and rock and cheerleader. And um, it, we, she worked in higher ed for most of her career as well. So we can talk shop and she always um, gives me that positive, um, you know, boost when I need it. And, you know, a high five and a hug when I yeah. just, thing that you know only a mom would be proud of so thank you for that um opportunity to to honor my mom donna well i mean i think for those of you who know lachelle you'll know that donna blakemore spent a significant amount of her career in higher education and many institutions if i recall san francisco state was one place she was mm -hmm. before yeah. and many other places and well-respected uh uh, within the field, especially in California. I mean, she's a, she's a legend in many circles. So what a great role model to have. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Well, Michelle, thank you. And folks, there you have it. I'm Kim Naoni. Thank you for tuning in to Mentorship Matters. See you soon.